The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand cave rescue operation. What is schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement? engagement How long before gift? a wedding should I send out How many save games the dates? Are in the first series Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find the Welcome to the voice. Voices of Search podcast and I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, we'll share the news, knowledge, and strategies you need to navigate the ever-changing world of SEO. Ready to expedite your company's organic growth efforts? Sit back, relax, and get ready for your daily dose of search engine optimization wisdom. Here's today's host of the Voices of Search podcast, Jordan Cooney. Hello, SEOs. My name is Jordan Cooney from Previsible. And this week, joining me is Joshua George. He is the founder of ClickSlice, a UK-based SEO agency supporting e-commerce businesses. Yesterday, Joshua and I talked about Google updates and the impact e-commerce. Today, we're going to dive into a conversation discussing future-proofing your SEO plans. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash AWT. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Okay. Here's my conversation with Joshua George, the founder of ClickSlice. Joshua, welcome back to the Voice of the Search podcast. Thanks for having me again, Jordan. Yeah. So yesterday we kind of dove a little bit into Google updates, where Google's going and how e-commerce players new or old can really continue to compete and be relevant. And so in today's topic, we want to talk about like kind of how you future-proof, like how do you make sure e-commerce stays relevant a year from now? two years from now. And I hear a lot from e-commerce owners about like, where should I be making my investments? Should I be investing in better product pages? Should I be expanding my categories? Do I need to be rethinking my blog or content strategy? Should I be shifting budget from one marketing channel to the other? Love to get your general sense. Like where should e-commerce business owners or web SEOs and web managers be making investments to future-proof their SEO plans? 
So I would say there's a few different places e-commerce owners should be focusing their efforts on when it comes to SEO and just be more sustainable for the long term and survive any of these Google updates and AI, you know, AI changes in the algo. So if I touched on the backlink side of it first, because what the majority of e-com sites do is, you know, some build backlinks, some don't. The ones who don't definitely just start building backlinks to help them stand out from the crowd. But the ones who I do see building backlinks, they're just doing the same thing as every other e-com site. So they're just going out there, they're finding blogs that are relevant, they're reaching out to them and pretty much securing a guest post, right? Which is good. And it works and it's still getting results. But if you're just doing what everyone else is doing, then you're not really separating yourself from the competition. So kind of future-proof your site and why I say the future-proof your backlink profile and make it harder for anyone else to replicate what you're doing or even if they can do it, then take a long while to do it. Not as easy as it is to just contact the same guest post that link to your competitor and say, hey, link to me too for this amount. You want to be securing editorial backlinks or high quality backlinks. And I say this because we actually just done this this week for one of our clients. They work in the Indian jewelry niche. We've been doing guest posts for them for that since September now, so a few months. And you know, I've made the client aware, Drew, and just said, hey, they've got a really good backlink profile building up now. But you know, I want a future proof your backlink profile. I don't want you to say to me, oh, this other guy's catching up to me. And you know, we want to kind of put you at the top and cement your position. The way to do that is get featured on sites that your competitors can't do. And you can either do that through having connections, who you know, for your network, or by just paying that premium price, which in reality, that's more often boils down to is to get featured on that site. And yes, it can be replicated, but people who are just starting out won't have the budget to do that. So it, it kind of gives you that head start. So that's more of a backlink thing, but it's not all to do with backlinks to future-proof yourself. But I would say from an SEO standpoint and a kind of holistic SEO e-com approach is to always focus on the user. If you do that, you're pretty much always going to be going in the right direction and kind of future-proofing your site. And when I say think of the user, I'm thinking about you know user metrics because this is what it's really going to boil down to. And it, it really boils down to this if you're already on page one. Like moving from position seven to position four is a lot harder from moving from page seven to page four, right? Because when you're on page one, it's all about user metrics. So even if you're on page six now or you just started your website, focus heavily on user metrics. Like how can you keep people on your site for as long as possible? So one of the best things you could do is have a really good introduction on all of your blog posts. You know, even if you've got your collection page that has content below the product. Make the copy good. A lot of SEOs go wrong because they just have SEO optimized content on the page. To really win and future proof, like I said, you want to focus on your user metrics. So you want to combine SEO and copywriting to keep people engaged and keep them reading and staying on your page. Because if it's a like for like between you and a competition, what Google's going to look at is your user metrics. And the one that has the best is the one that's going to be winning. So that's the second thing. The third thing, which is kind of, it should be just, you should be doing it kind of as a given now anyway, is just making sure your site is quality on the whole. So you don't want to add any pages with thin content because that's not a good user experience. And that's going to have a negative impact on your user metrics. So again, it kind of relates back to user metrics or user focus. Same applies to 404 pages. It's just getting your site structurally sound and making sure it is the best for users. So that's kind of the third thing. The fourth thing I would say is breaking down your collection or category pages, whatever you want to call it, into subtopics. And again, this all focuses on the user. If someone goes on to Google and is after, I don't know, a women's red t-shirt, if they search for women's red t-shirt and they land on your page, which sells women t-shirts, if that's a generic category page that has lots of different colors, yellow, blue, red, I mean, that's okay. And it's going to convert if they see a red one, which is you know, reasonably priced and they like the design of it. But it's not the best user experience, right? You want to build out subtopic category pages. So instead of having your one collection page for women's t-shirts, you'd have women's t-shirts red, women's t-shirts blue, and you'd have all of these different collection pages. And they don't even need to be in your menu. As long as they're indexed 
Google can find them and serve them up to users. And again, that all goes back to focus on the user and giving them what they want. So that's kind of my four, was that four or five things? I'm lost count there. That's kind of my main <laughs> thing that I'd recommend. And kind of touching on what I said previously was building a brand. Like that's definitely what you can do to separate yourself from the crowd and just get that longevity out of your e-com store. Ah, it's such phenomenal advice. And I think that going back to one of those on user metrics, I think there's such an undervalued perspective is what is happening with my users, right? And remember, for most e-com businesses and most most business owners in general, like your user metrics is, is your core audience. These are the people who really care about your brand the most, who are most connected to your content. And if they're giving you signals, you should really capitalize and invest in those. So as we unpack this concept of future-proofing your SEO, one of the things that comes up a lot is content, right? What's the content strategy two years from now, three years from now, thinking about the evolution of where Google's going with AI, with the introduction of more SERP features like FAQs in e-commerce, more data, structured data that they're incorporating into the SERP, like pricing and review data and all that other data? So generally speaking, like, you know, Joshua, how do you think about the content strategy and how do you think about making your content really a moat around your SEO plan? I believe it all comes down to just being as concise as possible. I think if you look at our generation now, we live in a generation where people want instant gratification, you know, and that applies to anything to literally every single part of life. So if someone is searching on Google, you know, they have a problem they need an answer to, for example, let's say you own an e-com store selling men's fishing rods or just fishing rods or whatever it may be, right? Typically, you know, you'd have your blog posts and it would be like the evolution of fishing rods. They were built. All this waffle to get your relevancy and get your keywords in there. If someone's just trying to figure out how much does that average fishing rod cost? I'm not saying just put the price there, but just kind of get straight to the point. Cut out all that wishy-washy content with all the relevancy. You can do that alternatively by using other blogs I mentioned about in the previous episode. But I think when it comes to creating this content, again, it all goes back to just making the user happy and focusing on those user metrics. So just giving the user what they want to see in the shortest amount, the shortest time possible, whilst also trying to get your keywords in like the H1s and H2s. So I can definitely see content getting shorter and shorter. And that's definitely more towards the information-related side, like I was saying in the previous episode. But I still believe when it comes to commercial terms, you should be going kind of all out and getting your keywords optimized. And again, nine times out of 10, the content you add on these collection pages for commercial terms, no one even reads it because it's always below the products anyway. It's just there to get the relevancy and rank the page. Um, so. Yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be an interesting time to see how this content update or the AI affects e-com sites in particular. But I think the great thing about SEO, which is what I love, is no day is the same because there's always new, new news or information coming out. So it keeps us on our toes. And some people, some people get quite scared of that and think, oh, like, I don't want to be optimizing my business, you know, always in second place trying to chase Google what they've done. But you have to look at it from a point, you know, a different perspective where it's kind of like, hey, just remember, you're going through this and so is your competition. So you know, as long as you keep on doing it and don't give up, nine out of 10, a lot of businesses are going to be giving up on the SEO campaign and just going differently. So that makes it a little more easier for you. have less sites to compete with. I actually said this in my private Facebook group earlier today. I mean, a lot of people are complaining about this new update and I just see it as an opportunity because every problem can be overcome if you just have a positive mindset. Uh, I, I totally agree. And I also believe that this new shift in the evolution of SERP features really helps new businesses and new websites get a foothold. I think that everybody tries to like boil the ocean and create a strategy for like massive growth. But sometimes it's about just winning in one place, 
right? If I can just win in one topic, if I can just win in one SERP, and if I can just be really, really good at that, everything else will come. And I think that's where we've lost sight of the short-term versus the long-term goals around content. And how do you become a genuine resource and a genuine outlet for a specific topic and then grow from there versus trying to do everything. I'm going to have the best blog. I'm going to have the best product description. I'm going to have the best category page. I'm going to have the best articles. I'm going to have the best guides. I'm going to have the best calculator. I'm going to have, it's like all of a sudden you're just like, how is it even feasible for you to do all that? It's not. And so doing something really well is key. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And like I said, um, you know, we got a lot of clients that come to us that have like 50 plus different collection pages on the website. They sell in washing machines, they sell in iron balls, they sell in phone, lots of different collections, lots of unrelated products in all different niches, right? So if they come to us and we said, we're going to do everything, it's completely overwhelming. Like it's not possible. So t- what you said is literally spot on. We always focus on typically three to five collection pages and there are our target pages and we build the relevancy around those inner niches. Once we dominate that, we then move on to the other one. And over time, this compounds. And once you build this relevancy, you can then pass it on to another category and you can just get more and more results. So that's the great thing about SEO. It's compounding, right? So focusing on one thing, becoming the master and the expert and just saying, hey, this is the person to go to if you want anything to do with iron boards, for example, or you want to learn anything about iron boards. Because you have to remember, again, Google's main goal is to provide the best result to the user, right? And if Google starts returning all of these bad results, people won't use Google when Google make 97% revenue from Google Ads. So people will go to Bing or somewhere else. So it's in the best intention to give them the best result. And you can do that by becoming an expert in that niche. Yeah, no question. No question. And, and, you know, sometimes the best place to do that isn't on your own website. Sometimes that's in other sites or, or being, as you mentioned in our last episode, being on topically relevant blogs or, or sites, that creates a lot of credibility to your business. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help, and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie-cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. In terms of future-proofing your plans, one of the things I wanted to get your take on is is technical SEO and the technical setup of these sites and, and how you think about where Google's going around their changes, their policies, and what really makes a site technically sound and prevents competitors from taking market share from them? That's a really good question. Again, so say 
there probably isn't one straightforward answer to that. Like from a technical aspect, like obviously you want to make sure you don't have any pages on your site that have thin content, no 404 errors, no broken internal links, the basics. But I think site speed is definitely a massive thing. It's always been important, but I definitely see it coming more and more important. Like we audited an e-com site this morning and the time to interactive when you put through Google page speed insights is like 55 seconds. It's like, who's going to wait that long <laughs> to, to actually go on your website and even see what you have for sell? Like it's ridiculous. So all sites should be loaded in three seconds. And that is a given. If your site is not loaded in three seconds, that is like your first thing to do after listening to this podcast. Like, go out and fix that. That is a given. And again, it goes back to user metrics, right? So I wouldn't say just doing that future-proofs your site forever, um, but it's something you want to have done. And I would say to kind of touch on that, it's more of a case where if your site on the whole is structurally sound, so like I said, there's no broken links, so, you know, everything is perfect, H1s, H2s, then I think you're pretty much in a good place and you just have to see what actually happens from these updates and then kind of tweak your SEO campaign or your agency you're working with, they should tweak it automatically for you to make sure you're always on top. But one thing I do see a lot of e-com sites doing wrong, and it's from a technical aspect, and I wouldn't even be surprised if Google just changed the way they view sites, but a lot of keyword canvization, we have two different pages competing for the same words. And often that means you've got two different pages in Google's index optimized around the same term, right? So Google using twice as much resources to serve up your content, to store it in the database and I'm sure Google can easily spot it because it's tools like Ahrefs and SEMrush can quickly show you different URLs ranking for the same keyword and just say, hey, any site that is like has excess pages that don't need to be, aka keyword colonization, then we're going to reduce the visibility of that site and it'll have an impact on your traffic. And I'm not saying this is what they're going to do, but it's just to give you an idea, right? There's things that you should be fixing and you want to fix them before Google find out it's a problem because you never know what's going to happen in the SEO industry. Yeah, and that's the beauty of it, right? Is you technical SEO isn't just about like, making your site the fastest is about being one step ahead, right? It's about like making sure that you've solved a problem before it becomes such an, a challenge to the overall either core web vital metrics or user experience. I mean, the other day we were working with a client where they had a CTA that was not fitting in the viewport on mobile. And we could have let that go for months and probably not really thought too much about it. It didn't seem terrible of a user experience, but it was certainly not ideal. And we just removed the whole thing. And literally the next day, we saw dramatic improvement in overall performance from the user metrics. And then the Google metrics came in play later. So that's it's a beautiful thing when you can actually prove those things. It doesn't always work out that way. But being a step ahead is such great advice for all of our listeners. Yeah, and I was going to say, we literally had an audit we did last week as well. Uh, we, saw, we saw something similar. It wasn't the same thing with the button with the fit in the viewport is the buttons, it wasn't, it didn't have a background color. It was just an outline around the button. So it was like buy now. And it was actually a blue outline, a rectangle for the button. And it said buy now and it's blue text. And I mean, it stood out because the background was white and the outline was blue. But just, just imagine a blue rectangle on a white background. Why is the button not filled in? Why is it not standing out more? <laughs> just a very small tweak we made. And you could see straight away, the cells went up straight away, literally 48 hours or even 46. I can't remember, but we spoke with the guy, Gavin, about it. And it's just conversion rate is... So important. Like, there's no point invested in SEO for site doesn't convert. Just as useful as a car with no wheels. <laughs> you want to make sure it's making money, right? No doubt. And that that's exactly it, right? Like, if you're not getting the performance out of your users, it's just gonna it's gonna eventually deteriorate your business, but also your SEO performance. So, last question for you here, Joshua, and I think this is the most interesting one for all of our listeners. What's the future hold for SEO? Where are things going? And what are the big landmark changes that you anticipate seeing, not just this year, but maybe over the next couple of years? It's a very good question. So pretty much the future of SEO, right? What's going to happen? 
I can definitely see there being a lot more helpful content updates coming out this year. Maybe, maybe another two, maybe another three, who knows? I can definitely see, you know, Google becoming more focused on the content side of it. But what's actually also interesting is I was talking to one of our sales guys yesterday is because there's such a big focus on content now and all these AI tools coming out and, you know, potentially there being a watermark in the AI content. If you copy and paste it, you'll get penalized and it's all to do with content, right? So I can kind of see link building kind of coming more important in the algorithm. And I know Google come out all the time and say, link building isn't that effective. It's don't worry about it. But I mean, would you really listen to Google when it comes to SEO advice? It's in their best interest not to give you the right advice, as twisted as that sounds, right? You know, they don't want to tell us what to do to rank because then we'll never pay for Google ads, right? So I can kind of see link building coming more prominent and a bit more evidence of this, I guess you could say. And the most recent like update we had was December the 14th, right? Which is a link spam update. So on one hand, Google will say links don't matter. And then on the other hand, they're making an update to target links. It's like, well, which one is it? If it doesn't matter, why are you targeting them? So I can definitely see links having a bit more of an impact. And this touches on what I said in the first uh, first time we spoke uh, yesterday was that if you're getting those editorial links, you're standing out from the crowd, you're building the brand, you're kind of future-proofing your site. So that's what I would be focusing my efforts on. That's what we are focusing efforts on is building those higher quality links to stand out, making sure our content is concise and always answers the questions in a short amount of time as possible. And just generally making sure the site is sound and building that brand is it's going to come even more and more important, which is obviously people can't see this because it's audio, but it's the main reason why I wear my Click Slice hoodie everywhere. Because <laughs> if I wear this to the gym and someone says, what the hell is Click Slice? And they Google it, <laughs> guess what? That's a branded search. And these branded searches add up over time. And it's just more reassurance of Google. This isn't just some SEO optimized agency. This is actually a brand. People are searching for the brand name. And I can definitely see brand search becoming more and more important in the algo for sure. No doubt. That's awesome, Joshua. Thank you so much. That wraps up this episode of the Voice Search Podcast. Today, we dove into future-proofing your SEO plans. If you can't wait until the next episode, you can learn more about Joshua and you'll find his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can also visit his company website, clickslice.co.uk. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools, but that's not the case anymore thanks to Ahrefs because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T.